vitals are still going down. She's wrong. Maybe don't try and tough this out, okay? Now, you could just old-fashioned die, or we could be together forever. Yeah? You know, that I think you are so amazing. But, uh... But what? But forever is just, like, so long to think about. Okay, so you would rather die than be with me? Is that what what you... You would rather die than be with me? Don't cry, please don't cry. So how much would this be? Regular, two dollars. But for you, with a gay discount, dollar seven. And how do you know if someone's gay? I can tell. You have gaydar, Mr. Kim? Yeah, I have a gaydar. 100% guarantee. One million dollars. Well, don't you think we should maybe ask for more than a million dollars? Well, from the land of confusion, it's me, Dave. And from the Facebook Truth Sayers, I'm Rod. <laughs> Rod, who's deep into conspiracy theories right now about Bill Gates yeah, and Microsoft. Someone, someone doesn't want DNR to record, that's what it is. You know, I mean, 40% of Republicans apparently believe that uh, he wants to inject us with, with a tracking chip. That's what this whole COVID thing is for. <laughs> no, I'm serious. There's a new study out. It's making all the rounds in the news today. Forty percent, forty percent of Republicans are stupid. I mean, that's what it says. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, well, I don't believe that people actually believe that. So I'm not sure. Wait what, what sampling size they had. Wait a minute. Say that again. You don't believe that people actually believe that? Uh, there's some. I'm sure. You know, there are some, but forty percent. I was going to say I can name some. Not 40% I, I don't of believe Republicans, it's, but... I don't believe it's 40%. Well, you know, the, the other problem with that is 40% of Democrats believe that all Republicans are uh, racist. So, what? Yeah. 90% of stats are all made up. Yeah. What are you going to yeah, do? There you go. The other 12% are complete nonsense. Well, welcome to and DNR, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, it's good to see everybody. It's uh, yeah. been a tough day, man. I had to work this morning. <laughs> I am hurting. Are you? Oh, man. These trucks are just not made for people like me whose knees don't bend. Uh, I actually don't have as big a problem moving stuff, carrying stuff, as I do trying to wedge myself into these trucks. They're just... Ugh, so in, instead of like a garbage garbage company's robotic arm, you need one for your chair that kind of just moves you out and sets you down on the ground? I just need one that has leg room oh. so you can straighten your legs out. I mean, geez, these things are like scrunched up and I mean... It, the way the nobody cares about this, but the the way the gas pedal works in the Isuzu, it's right up against the steering column. Okay. So, the brake is on the other side hmm. of the steering column, which is stupid. That's just a, I'd say it's a Japanese design, but you know that 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 then I'd be one of those forty percent of Democrats that think that everybody's Republican is a racist. Yeah, <laughs> except saying. you're not a Republican, are you? <laughs> I don't know if I am or not. I'm a registered Republican. I don't know. Uh, okay. I, I used to know. And then uh, COVID came along and well, actually long before that. And I don't know anymore. Yeah, it was before that. So I say land of confusion because up here, I don't know about down where you are in the golden state, uh, but up here, nobody knows what's going on. We're supposed okay. to be in phase two of reopening, but our beloved and esteemed governor, failed presidential candidate with 0% of the poll, um, was supposed to have a news conference on Thursday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, I don't remember, to announce the rules for phase two reopenings. That's the same day that the court ruling in North Carolina became big news, where the courts said, you can't tell churches that they can't meet. <laughs> and Governor Inslee then said, ooh, I better cancel my my press conference because apparently amongst his rules for reopening was similar rules about the churches, you know, having big meetings and stuff. And so it was originally postponed. It was going to be, you know, delayed. Then it was postponed and then it was canceled. So now here we are literally five days later. We still don't know what the rules are for reopening. I mean, restaurants and stuff are, are literally standing there going, well, we're ready to reopen. 
Yet one more reason why you shouldn't have all the power in one individual. One person. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go to make a decision. Nope. But it's Trump's oh, wait, fault. That, it's Trump's yeah, it's fault because Trump's... he's not he's not dictating to them what they should do. Oh, are they leaders or are they leaders? Well, I mean, the expense we pay for them. I mean, well, I mean, you know, our esteemed governor here in California, El Presidente. Um, you know, he's he's leading. I'll give him that. I don't necessarily agree with where he's leading us, right. but he's leading. Ben has my iPad, so I don't have I don't have our sound effect for Governor Newsom. Oh, I was waiting for it. Who ca- I know. So I saw. I could see you waiting for it, and it was like, I better tell him I don't have the iPad. Should have done that pre-show. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have meetings. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we've Even been virtual ones. We've been talking all week because Rod and I we text back and forth, and you should see our text. One of the ways okay. we should take a screenshot of that and just show everybody where we text back and forth because we're constantly texting memos back and forth to each other hey how about this article what about that and we've been talking over the past couple weeks about how much is a human life worth because this covid thing has really driven that home what is a human life actually worth because the argument has become your face mask versus karen's life or somebody that karen cares about's life or yes. someone that Karen pretends to care about's life. She's going to make you wear a mask because your mask isn't worth whatever she's decided is worthwhile. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it is one of those, uh, it is virtue signaling of sorts, but it's, it's they, they think they out-Trump everyone else, in their opinion. And they out-Trump it is, Trump. Yeah, they out-Trump Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you're right. I mean, and this is what it come down to. And so about three weeks ago, I think we started talking about this, but I didn't, wasn't sure we were ready to really debate about it. And I'm still not sure that we are because I'm not sure we're not, you know, how do I say this politely? The answer is $10 million. How much is a human life worth is $10 million. I don't know if you knew that or not. There was a, well, was not a study or something like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a U.S. government um, calculation that they use. For how much a human life is worth. So I'm not making that number up. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. Like $10 million is what a human life is worth in the United States. Now, obviously, a French person would be far less. <laughs> right. Pennies on the euro. <laughs> sure, why not? No no offense to France. Why they're picking on the French again. Say <laughs> la vie. Anyway, point being that $10 million is the value that the United States government has put on a human life. So your life... Whoever you are is worth $10 million. Just let it rattle around in your head for a minute. Hmm. I'm worth $10 million. Rod's worth $10 million. This show's Ford. worth $20 million. This show's worth $20 million. Harrison Ford's worth $10 million. Yeah. Uh, Bill Gates, his life worth $10 million. $10 million. John Elway, $10 million. Ben Bowman, $10 million. Now, if if you start breaking down how they arrived at that number, it's an interesting exercise, I suppose, in a lot of things. But reality is that there's a lot that, that goes into that number that is more about mm, politics than anything else. They decided on this $10 million because that made everybody equal. And they start with that. Everybody's equal at $10 million. Well, yeah. You, you can't choose anything. You know, you can't choose something lesser. Oh, we're all worth 10 bucks. I mean, well, this all came out after 9-11 because the guy that was in charge of the 9-11 Compensation Fund, Congress, said, hey, everybody that lost somebody in 9-11 should get some money from you because you didn't attack the trade towers, so trade center. So you should pay all these people who died. Okay. That was, I'm, I'm, you know, again, that's the logic here. And they struggled with this because there were some people who died in the attacks who were indigent and some people who were billionaires. Mm-hmm. Some people were important and some people were not in the, in the big scheme of things. And so they struggled with how to, how to do this. And the guy who did it 
was given a bunch of instructions by Congress as to how to value people's lives. And, of course, it was, well, it was Congress, so it was a hodgepodge of competing political agendas. And like most things that Congress touches, it ended up being pretty much a disaster. When he left that, what he said was, if I had my way, everybody would start out equally. Everybody would be X amount. And then some things could adjust that either way, depending on other things involved. For example, the state of New York has some really strange rules about this stuff. For example, a a paralyzed woman, essentially in a vegetative state, who died okay. in an accident. Do you know how much her life was worth, according to the courts? I have no clue. Zero dollars. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the nursing home was at fault because they basically weren't paying attention to her or killed her, but... She was in a vegetative state, and she was crippled, and she wasn't producing anything for anybody. In fact, she was a drain on resources, so your mistake will cost you zero dollars if you're not watching her and she, she dies in a, in a drowning accident. Boy, that, that sounds so wrong. It does, and that bothered this guy. And so he said, no, every life should have an intrinsic value. And so through a long, complicated setup that I don't even have the ability to understand the math for, this thing ended up being $10 million. That's what they've settled on in the past few years. $10 million is, a, is what a life is worth. Agree okay. or disagree? I mean, when you look at that, what, does that number make sense? I, yeah, it seems arbitrary in a way to me. I mean, if everyone's worth $10 million, then really nobody is. Okay. It, it's just we're, we're all the same value. It's just a starting But figure. trying to put a... It's a starting figure. So I, I guess if there's criteria to determine, okay, how do you get how do you get to a larger or smaller number than ten million? Is there some kind of a right? There's tort laws equation each that, state. Each, each state has various tort laws that say damages are capped at this, or they're limited to that, or they are unlimited to whatever. And this ten million figure is a is a government figure. So that's a if the government is at fault for your death, we start at ten million. But okay. how often does the government stand up and go, yep, sorry, we screwed up and your your person died? I, I don't think of, I can't think of too many times when they did. Well, I mean, isn't that, isn't that the argument that 9-11 was nothing but a big screw up by the government? Well, it, yeah, it is. I mean, it's one of the arguments. That, I mean, they did. There was some, not, uh, well unstructured communications so communications that didn't get through to the right people to make the right decisions but okay i'm with you there so and, and again none of this was in effect after 9-11 this all came into effect probably yeah. in the last decade decade and a half and again the math behind it is bizarre it's done by people who who spend their days figuring this stuff out for lawsuits okay so okay for example, go back to the seventies, the Pento. You remember the you you might remember the Pento. Oh, yeah. The Pento. We, we had one, right? <laughs> and and you survived. Oh my God! How is that possible? Yeah. I thought Pentos yeah. killed everybody. The no, car. Well, they didn't kill my family. All right, the Ford Pento had a design flaw, quote unquote. The gas tank was too far back, or whatever. And theoretically, if it got rear-ended, it would explode. And this happened a couple of times, and Ford had made a calculation that the cost of repairing it would be more than the cost of paying off the lawsuits. And this created, this made people uncomfortable. Yeah, I could see why. Can you? I mean, they're, they're a business. Well, they're making a bottom line decision. Yeah, but the general populace doesn't they don't look at things from a business standpoint they they look at things from more of a moralistic standpoint okay you know? i agree so, with you they do that but should that mean that a business should have to look at it that way 
Well, it all depends on if if the outcry is big enough, you could get the business to make that decision because if people say, "Hey, we're not buying Fords ever again because of this," right? Right. Make it. You, it's got to hurt them in the in the bank. They, I mean, in the pocket. They really have to balance. You know, what's the negative perception versus this? They're not going to make the moral decision. Most larger businesses. Okay. So, but is it the government's place then to come in and say, "You made the wrong moral decision." in the interest of your your dividend holders. And so we're going to require you to make the right moral decision by reassigning the value of the human lives involved here at a, at a much higher level than they were at that point. And thus essentially saying, you, you did a moral bad. We're the government. We're here to, to fix morality. So guess what? No more making decisions. No more making bottom line decisions on the basis of dividend payouts versus what might happen to somebody. Yeah, that that's a hard one because the libertarian to me says no. The government shouldn't be forcing anything like that. But I, I didn't say but, but <laughs> you did. You just didn't say it out loud. I just paused. Yes, dramatic pause. But then there's another there's another side that's like okay, but are they? I, I guess you'd have to look at what what's the possibility of those things actually happening. Look at those numbers and break it down, right? And say okay, we so we had what two? I mean, I don't know how many that there were that actually happened, and just it's a it's a basically a risk assessment. So what's the likelihood of that occurring? Eh. Okay, and then they made their business decision based off of that. Right. But then the government came in and said, your business decision is, is, is devaluing human life. It's not putting the value on human life that we want put on human life, and so we're going to undo your business decision and make you do things that you don't necessarily want to do because, I don't know, because somebody wrote their congressman. What is it? I'm just a bill where the guy writes a... Yeah. Writes a letter to the congressman saying, "All oh, school buses should stop at crosswalks." And you know, I mean, it's kind of a—I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for here is, but it's—it's. It's, somebody sent me a text this week about the first club. The first rule of thesaurus club is to discuss, <laughs> talk about, <laughs> consider. <laughs> anyway, I said I replied. You know, that's pretty axiomatic. There's a there's a fine line here. And that line is really what we've been arguing about for the last 60, 90 days, isn't it? Yes. With a COVID light, what is, what is a person's life worth when it comes to reopening versus how many would die versus would anybody die? Would people get sick? Would people, and, and, and really, it's no longer about a virus. It hasn't been about a virus for weeks. It's no, about, it has not. it's a moral argument about, power and control and who's going to do things the way i want them done because obviously i know what's best and therefore we should be doing what i say to do not what rod says to do because rod well i mean jesus his name sounds very french Roderick. Sounds very french doesn't it so germanic <laughs> Certainly not beloved like David. I mean, that's face yeah, facts. So, yeah. so obviously, I would know better. <laughs> I've confused him to the point where he can't even respond. He doesn't even know what. Where's he going with this? Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, we have this whole thing where you you have all these people who might get sick, and it's becoming more and more obvious that <laughs> that they've made some major blunders in the modeling. Yes. That does not surprise me in the least. Um, you sent me that article this week about the the blood the, the you know the assumptions and that and that's part of the problem because when you first start doing a model you got to make assumptions. Well, do we assume yeah. people do this? Do we assume people are doing that? And you don't know. Well, those assumptions then built a model that caused us to react in such a way that has left us now in the position of, well, 
if we undo it, what happens? Now, the reality is that nobody knows. No. If, if, if Governor Inslee came out tomorrow and said, or Governor Newsom said before cackling and exploding into bats, that that's it, we're done, we're reopening. Nobody actually knows what would happen the next day. No. Nobody knows what would happen in the next week. Some believe that infections would skyrocket and Out of control would multiply. But that hasn't been the evidence that we've seen in the places that have opened. Is no. it? There isn't the evidence for that. Because, I mean, even if you take Sweden that never closed, yeah, they had, you know, they've had a steady increase in their overall rate. But it hasn't been to the likes that everyone's been threatening over here. But haven't we said from day one of this that no matter what happens, the infection rate is going to go up? Because yes. why? It, well, it'll never go down because there's always they're always adding to the total for one. I mean, it's it's always an increasing number. It'll never decrease. It might stop or stall, but it'll never decrease. Right. But also because they're going to increase testing. Yeah. So as they increase testing, of course, infections or infection rates are going to go up. They have to. Yeah. But now we're it's like we've forgotten that. And all of a sudden, well, this state, let's just call it state A, undid, undid the lockdown. And look, their infection rate is going up. I mean, that's the headline you get from Popular Science this week. Plus graphs. Mm-hmm. I mean, Popular Science came up with with graphs and everything showing that, that the infection rate is exploding in these states that are starting to, to do away with the lockdown. Did they use the color red? They did. Yes. They did, and bar graphs. Okay. Which are my least oh, yeah. favorite graph. Bar graphs. I get it. I know what they do, but they were my least favorite graph, which is a complete aside. A, I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> Dave's least favorite graph. My favorite <laughs> graphs are um, pie charts. I love pie charts. Two reasons. One, because they remind me of pie. And two, because I just I, I think they do a better job of of showing. There are some things that bar graphs do when you're comparing things. Yeah. But if you're just trying to show me infection rates day to day, just give me a line graph. I don't need the bars. No. What's don't the, need the bars. Okay, so you know how to do a 3D bar in, in Excel. I mean, that's my opinion of that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I want to know how many people have had it, how many people are symptomatic, how many people have died. That's beyond that, I don't care. I want to know the antibody question. Well, again, that would be how many people have had it, right? Yeah. So, so I'm with you. So these faulty models caused us to shut down, which... Even the esteemed Dr. Fauci now admits is going to be a problem if we stay shut down. That's yeah. not what he was saying a month ago, was it? A month ago, he was saying, got to wait for a vaccine. Yeah. So who got to Fauci? That's the next question. I'll tell you what I think happened. You want to know what I think happened? Go ahead. I think Trump said to him that, you know, if we stay shut down much longer, I'm not going to need you anymore. And your phony baloney $300,000 a year job going to go away. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting there, but yeah, you're right. You're fired. And, and, and even he's starting to realize that, you know, we can't stay shut down forever. And it's not going to be long before people are saying, why are politicians still getting paid? Yeah. What are they doing? What? Well, we've got that budget shortfall now in California. <laughs> where they're talking about cutting, cutting the salaries of the, um, was it the the first responders and all of that because it's always the the public safety that gets cut first, right? And it'll be Trump's fault if he doesn't give us some because that's Newsom's thing. Newsom oh, said yeah. before cackling and exploding into bats that he wanted Trump to bail out California. That Trump has a quote unquote moral responsibility to to save California. I think if anything, New York should pay for it. <laughs> New York don't got no money. But that's what this has become. So now we're couching that argument in moral, moralistic arguments. And we, we still come back to, okay, the argument against opening up is your, your dollar isn't worth my life. 
Right? That's what people are saying. Yeah. How, mu- how many people are worth your, how many lives are worth your paycheck? Well, yeah. The counter to that is, well, how many children should have to starve? Well, I don't, Rod, I'm, I, look, I, I like to think of myself as pretty even keeled, but are children starving because of this? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen any reports, of course, because the news has been kind of silent on the impact, the economic impact of that. Okay. Um, but I would assume that, that people are struggling. I do know, well, I know people that. are struggling. I know that because mortgage defaults have gone up from mortgage defaults have gone to the highest they've been in 20 years or something to 6% yeah. of mortgages are now in default. But that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything because the instant you miss a payment, you're in default. Yeah. Right. So if you're a day late, technically you're in default. Yes. Okay. I'd be more interested in seeing, I, I think a better indicator would be credit card debt payments. Okay. Okay. We called our mortgage company and said, we'll be, we'll be fine. It's not a problem. We're going to make our payment, but we're not going to make it on the first of the month like we usually do. We're going to push it back. Because I think we get till the fifteenth or whatever. It's a grace period. Yeah, and so we just wanted to let them know so that they wouldn't be calling me every ten minutes saying. Anyway, but I'd be curious what credit card company payments look like right now, because that's that's unsecured debt. That's Mm -hmm. debt that people look at and go, they got to make a moral decision. Well, yeah, I borrowed the money, but really, I had to eat. Yeah, I had to eat. I mean, had to buy medicine because that's probably where the change is. Mm-hmm. Rather than, okay, mortgage is doubled from 6%, 3% to 6%, I get. But I'd be curious what, what happened with credit card debt. And I can't find it anywhere. I've looked, but I've credit card companies don't like to tell you those sorts of things. No. But those credit card company that those companies that for $10,000 will solve your debt will do. I mean, they'll tell you, won't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a moral decision. How much is my life worth so that you can go back to work? And yeah. it's the people making that argument are the people who aren't worried about going back to work, as far as I can tell. No. I haven't. I know people that have been laid off. I know people that haven't been laid off. I know people Same. that have been cut back. I know people that have been busier than than usual i mean yes in some ways uh i wouldn't point out a company <laughs> is is making bank on this i mean yeah. they're making millions on this because is, is it taking advantage of people's fear not really i mean they're not taking advantage of it but they're they're looking at what people are doing they're benefiting and saying, from yeah, it yeah they're benefiting from it but but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad idea no. at the same time What's my life worth? I know it's ten million, but what if my neighbor starts wandering around without a mask on, or if I go outside without a mask on, and my neighbor starts yelling at me? Mike starts carrying, carrying, carrying. Is that now a verb? Carrying at me. You're threatening my life by not wearing a mask because my life is worth more than your freedom. And you're threatening my life, yelling at me. <laughs> Well, you're not threatening my life by yelling at me. No. <laughs> Boy, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned because we're looking at, you know, people are more and more people are starting to look at these numbers, and what we're finding, the effect of COVID nineteen is exactly what I, I get. You're not supposed to say, well, it's just like influenza, because it's not. It's 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 a different kind of disease, but the effect is generally the same. It's Older, weaker, underlying, what does my wife call it? Comorbidity is the term she keeps using. Comorbidity. And I stopped her the other night. What the heck do you mean by comorbidity? And she's multiple underlying problems. Yes. And that, that actually came out of the discussion about COVID-19 is racist. <laughs> no, I mean, you've seen that argument, right? I have been. Yeah, I have been. COVID-19 is racist because it's killing more black folks and it is white folks and my wife was like well of course they have higher comorbidities yeah i'm like well that's racist too (laughs) 
It's not, but but people will say it is. Yeah, they'll say it is. And so she had to explain this to me. Well, underlying medical issues, age seemed to be the target of COVID nineteen. And as more and more testing is more and more testing is done, and it becomes more and more obvious the number of people who have been exposed to this. I saw a report this morning, Rod, and I did not have time to read it before I went to work. Okay. And as soon as I got back from, just so you all know. The instant I got back from work, I sat down here and started recording with Rod because that's how important yes. the show is. Yes, he did. <coughs> right. Well, I mean, after I ate my Kentucky Fried Chicken and <laughs> took a shower and <laughs> yeah, because you can't have your stomach rumbling when you're <laughs> when you're on the microphone. Right. Or... It was a report that came out this morning that I haven't had time to read that they apparently took 455 positive but asymptomatic people mm-hmm. and X number of doctors, X number of nurses, X number of patients, and they exposed them or measured the people around them. And the infection transfer rate was zero. Hmm. And the conclusion of it was that this suggests that it's possible that COVID-19 coronavirus is not as easily communicated as the models suggested. Yeah, imagine that. Well, and and now it's not now it's no longer communicate or communicable on surfaces. <laughs> so or that or not not as yeah. That was one of my Facebook fun yeah things. And he sent that to me. So we're starting to see that these models were so flawed that we made these decisions that created economic chaos. Mm-hmm. We've got 40% of Americans, I'm sorry, 40% of Republicans who believe that this whole thing is just a conspiracy theory by Bill Gates to inject you with a tracking device. How many more are starting to believe with the evidence that we're seeing that this was just an economic attack? That this was that this was entirely political, that it was entirely driven by the idea that Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden <laughs> promised that he was going to beat Joe Biden the other day. You know, I mean, I, look, I try to stay clear of too much politics here, but really, Democrats. I mean, I said this yeah. in 2016. Hillary Clinton is the best you can come up with. And here I am in 2020 looking at you going, seriously, you 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 found somebody worse. <laughs> So, far more entertaining. I mean, he's far more entertaining than he's Hillary. Worthy. He's <laughs> not. I mean, you know, at least at least you know when Hillary says, yeah. "I don't recall," you know she's lying. Yeah. When Biden says, "I don't recall," you get that weird feeling that he really probably doesn't remember. No. <laughs> he probably doesn't. So. You, you you start looking at this and you start thinking to yourself, well, okay, what if what if this shutting down of the economy was the only way the Democrats could possibly win because they just, just destroyed the market? I mean, they just they yeah. obliterated this. For what? For what? Yeah. Trump didn't do it. That's one I keep no. seeing is why did Trump shut everything down? Why is Trump why isn't Trump reopening? Why did Trump why isn't Trump telling governors not to reopen? Because Trump doesn't have anything to do with it. This is all no. state driven. And mm-hmm. the vast majority of the states involved, again, I'm not, it's not political, it's reality. The vast majority of the states driving this are Democrat-controlled states. Blue states. Why? What? <laughs> Do you, am I supposed to believe that they're more moral than the red states are? Is, is that what no, I'm supposed I've, to believe? No. I've been half of mine thinking that this is more because they didn't really have an effective plan in place that, that the model suggested one thing and they just, they're good for a knee jerk, knee jerk reaction, never waste a, a, a crisis. Right. And so right. they knee jerked and they closed everything down and, and now it's gotten to the point where uh, it's, it's really unsustainable. It is not sustainable at all the way they've done it and how we're, we're going to try and ease it back in. How's that going to work? Well, and that's my next question where is the courage to say, okay, this was, this was a mistake. We didn't need to do this. We're past the flattening of the curve. The hospitals are not going to be overwhelmed. So 
you know what? Let's all have a Memorial Day weekend, and then Tuesday, let's just open it up. Where's the courage to do that? Yeah. It all comes. Well, Go ahead. There, there isn't. Uh, you know, they don't have the courage to do that. We're also looking at there's a lot of fear that's been around, and that's why a lot of these Karens are, are the way they are is because there's just this, this general fear of the whole right. situation of being sick or infected and, you know, how can the, you threaten me like that? And the number one argument comes back to my life is worth more than your freedom. My life value, the value of my these lives around us is worth more than your freedom. You should be willing to give up your freedom, your whatever. That's is the argument. Now, again, I'm sure that there are various nuances of this argument. That's the general argument is freedom isn't worth the cost of one life. That's the argument. Yeah. But the problem is how many lives are going to end up being suicide rates are, are skyrocketing. Yes. I don't get, I've said this before and maybe it's, maybe it's something I need to work on myself. I have never understood and I've struggled with this. I've never really understood the mentality that drives someone to that. I just, I, I, I have no frame of reference for it. I can't put myself in that position. And I struggle with that because I know people do. Yeah, Serious depression it can, yeah. can really mess with your mind. It and can. And it can lead you to that. And you just can't see anything. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. There just isn't. And I You just think that. the only happiness is I got to end it. Right. But I, I, I struggle with this because I, I've known people. I've had people in my life who were in that position. And it was the hardest thing for me because I could not really, I, how can you possibly come to that conclusion? And, and they could never explain it to me in a way that would make sense where I would go, okay, I see where you're coming from. Because every time they would say it's because of this, you go, well, what about that? And then they would say, well, I, well, there's this too. Well, what about that too? <laughs> and the same is true with COVID. The same is true with this reopening. It's like we keep finding excuses to shoot ourselves. In the foot, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking, because we're afraid. Okay, well, fear is not a good enough reason, in my view, to keep things shut down. Now, no. I look, you can go back and listen to these shows. We've been doing this show now since January, right? January? Yeah, something like that. And you can kind of see where we've morphed through this. And we were certainly, you know, when the first thing started, look, it's a real virus. It's a real concern. It's a, But now the evidence is showing us that it's... It's not worth what we're doing. No. But what's a human life worth? Suicides are up. What else is happening? Oh, um, roadway deaths. This is amazing to me. Roadway deaths have increased. Really? For mile driven? Yeah. People on the road. Okay, so my favorite meme of the whole thing has been the meme of Atlanta with I-75 and 85 empty. It was all the unessential people. Who are yeah. causing the traffic jams. <laughs> and around here, I noted that earlier on in the first couple of weeks driving the truck, there was no traffic at all. But I've noted in the past few days, there's been a lot of traffic. We're back to normal traffic patterns here, which means that even though businesses aren't opening, quote unquote, people are still on the road for some reason. I don't know yeah. what that reason is. And that means accidents go up, and two, I think it was two weeks ago, as I was leaving for my route, I went out north on 303. If you want to look at a map of Silverdale, I went north on 303 to the three intersection to go three north, Highway 3 north, and this has got to be the dumbest interchange I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's it's so bad that, the, I personally, I think the people who designed it and approved it should be taken out and made to stand in the middle of it. <laughs> okay it's it's four lanes but they're reversible lanes with two on ramps on either side of a slight rise so you can't see what's coming and then the lights change so if the lights green you follow this line onto the highway north if it's lights red you stay where you are and the people coming off of three or off of three or three come over the little rise at you in the same lane that is absolutely right. frightening. Well, I live Some here. modeling scientist I did that, I bet. I live here, Rod. <laughs> I live here. I drive it almost every day. Okay? Imagine coming here from somewhere else and seeing this. 
And that's what happened. As I was leaving uh, to go, I got there just literally seconds after it happened. Some poor woman trying to turn left onto this thing. And another guy from some other place who didn't know how it worked. Head on. Boom. Pieces everywhere. Um, And, of course, the woman died because of this. So death rates are up on the road. Well, what's, what's that life worth versus reopening across the board? I mean, these accidents are happening elsewhere, not just 303 and 3, which is a horrible intersection. But who knows? Maybe if there was a little more traffic there, maybe if someone had been in front of her, she wouldn't have gone. That could be. I mean, you, what's, what's this whole thing worth? And I, I'm struggling with this right now because I, people, I'm ready to reopen. I am so, yeah. I'm so tired of not being able to sit in a restaurant and eat. And, and I realized I was watching last night, I was watching history of fast food. <laughs> Wasn't part of my binge watching, so I can talk about it now. And they were talking about the fact that in the 50s and 60s, going out to eat became a form of entertainment. And, okay, I'm, realizing, and I'm realizing for me, it really is. I mean, that's, it's, it's a form of entertainment. It's a form of spending time with my family, going out, doing something special. Yeah, it's and, the experience. Yeah, it, it really is. And so I accept that. And I, I'm telling you, I'm, I get, I'm an essential employee-ish, and I'm tired, man. I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready for kids to go back to school. Yep, yep, no. I think even even for us, what we're doing is even if they allowed us back in, we still plan on staying as remote as possible. And that makes just sense. To, and I think a lot of people are going to do that, right? I think a lot of people are going to socially distance anyway, yep. which is fine with me because I hate people. <laughs> but people watching is so fun. It is, but you can do it from a ways away. You don't need to, <laughs> you, know, you know, you don't need to stand right next to me in line at at wherever box store I go, especially if you haven't mented before you masked. <laughs> God. Speaking of taking advantage of this whole thing, we got at least one mint company that's that's telling people, buy our mints and take one before you mask because mask breath is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Thanks for that. But but think back to the way we used to do this. I mean, people stood closer than than normal sometimes. And some oh, yeah. people have some people no, were close talkers. Oh God. <laughs> Some people just have no sense of social anything, personal space. Yeah. Those people just get right in your face or right up behind you or the, or the people in the grocery store who have to get their cart as close to the, 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 to the conveyor belt as they can. Because if they don't get there right now, I don't know, some other shopper is going to swoop in from over there and just cut in front of them. And, and I, my wife does that. She's, she's one of those people I, that just pushes it's up. It's a and secret up. between you and I. I won't say yeah. anything. So it's like, can't you just wait back here? What What are you in such a hurry about? And, and I don't know. Maybe life is when you start when you start asking that question. What is a life worth? What is a life actually worth in all of this? And of course, it's easy to go. Well, it's ten million dollars, Dave. But the debates over this have become intense. And they're yes. becoming meaner, and they're becoming more political than they are conversational or intelligent. That's what's bugging me about it. Well, you know, okay, why can't I go outside? If you don't feel safe going outside, don't go outside. Yeah. I don't feel safe jumping out of airplanes. You know what I don't do? Jump out of airplanes. I don't jump out of airplanes. It's pretty easy, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's... It makes no sense to me. I don't know. No, I'm with you with that. Uh, you know, I'm ready for it to be over. Um, not that you know, we're going to go out anytime soon because of my wife's condition, but yeah, still, we, you know, we we stay socially distanced. We don't go to church. We'd like to, but we don't. Oh, yeah. don't even get me started on that aspect of it. Oh, that's a, that's in the news now, isn't it? It is. But but see, here's my problem, Ron. Okay, you know, I'm not a. You know, I'm not. Anti-faith, you know that, right? Sure, I do. But, but I have a real hard time with people who throw their faith at me 
as somehow or another, I have to respect your faith because dot, dot, dot. And in my case, it's usually because I used to get this all the time when I was on the air. How can you be a talk radio host and not be a Christian? <laughs> well, how can, how can you be a talk radio listener and be a Christian? Was always my response. Yeah. You don't know anything about me, but, but I was talking to a friend of mine who happens to host a, host a radio show down in Florida, Bill Mick. And we were talking about, he was talking on his show about this, uh, the, the, the North Carolina case and the fact that mm-hmm. the court ruled that this is, and, and look, the court is right. The court was absolutely right in ruling that limiting churches to 10 was unconstitutional, not because you can't limit the churches to 10, but because they weren't doing it for everything. Yes. If they had been doing it for everything, I don't think the church would have had, no. they wouldn't have had two feet to stand on. But, but because they were being singled out, and that's, that's why Inslee canceled his press conference yeah. last week, because he was going to do the he, same he thing. he was going to say 10. Right. <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, 10 is a minion. And the thing I, I get crickets whenever I ask this, why are Christians, particularly Christians, evangelical Christians, so uptight about this meeting thing? Oh, we have to be able to meet. It's our constitutional right. Check. And and this yeah. guy's argument was, well, there's a passage in Hebrews that says, do not give up meeting together as some have had the habit of doing or something. Yeah. And 30 years since I was a pastor, so I don't really remember that. But but here's the here's the here's the counter to that, Rod. And and I know you don't go to church because of reasons, but does that match what scripture says? These arguments that these pastors are making? Yeah, because it also says where two or three or more are gathered, he is there. Okay. So you really only need two to have a gathering. Yeah. But what else yeah. does Paul say in Hebrews, I think? about obeying authorities. Yeah, I mean, there's that argument as well, because God put those authorities over you. (laughs) Right, so which is it? Look, I get the constitutional argument, but the constitutional argument isn't that they're saying you can't meet. It's it's that they're they're not treating everybody equally. Yeah. Okay? And that becomes the argument. But I I, want to get into it with these guys, especially with that guy that that tore up his sermon. He Pelosi'd his sermon. (laughs) I, I don't get think I saw that one. Two or three. What? Why do you need 5,000? Yeah. I'm not convinced you do. But that's just my opinion. Well, offerings are down, Dave. We want you in our church. We'll heal. If we get somebody in our church with the, with the virus, we'll heal. We'll lay hands on them and heal them right then. Well, that goes back a ways, doesn't it? Send your emails to <laughs> DNR at the Dave Bowman Show.com. <laughs> and as long as we're doing that, I guess. We uh, binge watch. We should go to the yeah. binge watch. I did not hear from, uh, as it turns out, we have more than just Jonathan in Mississippi oh, as our listener. Yep. Mojav is listening. Uh, Dale is listening. Hello, Oklahoma. Hello, California. Hello, Mississippi. So is that a 300% increase? It would be a 200% increase, wouldn't it? 200%? Well, okay, yeah. From 100% one to three is would twice. Be, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Right. All right. My I was modeling told there would be no math. math. So, so I don't know what they're doing these days. Uh, binge watching. You want to start or you want me to? I'll start. Okay. So I, I started watching uh, with my wife the, the show on Amazon Prime called Upload. And it, it really is about a man who chooses his own afterlife where you get your you get your consciousness uploaded into a nice i want to say retirement virtual world but it's kind of a parody it's actually pretty funny um what technology you know the thought of technology can do and the problems that he has because he he uploaded prematurely and there's no going back (laughs) oops okay you're gonna have to explain that one a little bit uh, so, so basically he thought he was dying and then there was a question toward the end that maybe he was, he was set up that, um, the, the autonomous car he was in, they shouldn't have crashed, but it did. <laughs> so now well, there's a question about did all someone autonomous tra- cars, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, so they're like, did someone set him up? Because they never crash. And, uh, there was this whole thing where you know, his, his, his girlfriend, um, 
was so in love with him and she she wanted to spend her, she was paying for it mind you because this costs money because everything in the afterlife when you're up in this uplitted world costs money of so course. you can yeah so you can they, there's advertisements there's taco bell advertisements so you could buy a gordita crunch in the it's, it's, it's actually hilarious yeah yeah huh. yeah it's pretty funny wow might have to add that one to the list. My wife might even enjoy that one, but it might give her some bad ideas. So I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the whole scanning process was pretty funny because it basically obliterates their head. <laughs> Our Star Trek episode like that, where they were going to make uh, the android bodies and yeah, yeah, them, I think so. Yeah, I mud. I think so. I uh, I don't know that I've actually seen two shows this week that I enjoyed. Um, the first one came on a recommendation of a friend, Kim Convenience. This Kim is a Canadian show about okay. a Korean family, Kim, that owns a corner convenience store. And okay. it is, it is, well, I told my friend the first episode, it was the funniest thing I'd seen on TV since Married with Children debuted. Really? It's a Korean guy who's basically a Korean Archie Bunker. <laughs> And the premise of the first show is he has a customer who is flamboyantly gay. Okay. okay. And it's Gay Pride Week, and he wants to put a Gay Pride Parade poster in Mr. Kim's window. And Mr. Kim is like, oh, your poster sucks. It's terrible. You can do better. <laughs> With a nice green oh. accent, he keeps saying, you can do better. <laughs> and this guy's partner thinks that the guy's being homophobic sure are you homophobic no i just think your poster needs needs to be improved in <laughs> fact i have a 15 percent gay discount <laughs> and then he proceeds to everybody that comes in says i want my 15 percent gay discount he just looks at him and says, well you're not gay <laughs> i am too this is one guy. I am too gay. I am so gay that, and so he, the guy brings back this other person with him, and he's like, "You're not gay. <laughs> You're still <laughs> pining for your girlfriend." And then, of course, there's the kid who, who is standing there in front of him, his potential suitor for his daughter, and he says to him, "For you, fifteen percent discount." <laughs> it's like, for what? The gay discount. Well, I'm not gay, and everybody's like, mm, "Yeah, you are." <laughs> How do they have this in Canada? I don't, How is this I Canadian? I have no idea. It's a CBC show. It's on Netflix called Kim Convenience. Do yourself a favor. If you don't watch the whole show, that's fine. But at least watch that first episode because it is hysterical. It I'm will have to watch it now. You will snort. And the other one I've watched in the ep- second episode is on tonight. So far, there's only one episode, Snowpiercer, which I swore up and down I would not watch. Because for weeks. I don't weeks, know anything about that. Uh, TBS ran these advertisements for weeks for this show called Snow Pisser. I kept saying to my wife, did she just say Snow Pisser? And Cammy says, yeah, I think that's what she said. Snow Pisser. Yellow Snow. Oh, it's Snow Piercer. It's a TV show based on a movie, which is based on a novel. And it's, the idea here is the world has frozen and there's a train that circles the earth. Okay. It takes it about a year to go around, I guess. And it's all steampunk type stuff. Okay. And there's this Mr. mysterious Mr. Wilford who created the train. It's a thousand cars long. Some cars are farming cars and some cars are living cars and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, of course, the, the end of the train, the tail, is where all the poor refugees, the, the last people that got on the last minute by storming the train are. Oh, yeah. And they're maintained with militaristic fervor. You know, every time they revolt, they, they chop one of their hands off and stuff like that. Anyway, I, I don't know why I watched it. I, I really don't. It was so predictable. There is no Mr. Wilford. Mr. Wilford is the gal that's the voice of the train. Sure. Um, the Tailies are going to revolt because why wouldn't you? You yeah. want You want food and there's food up there and they're not sharing with you, and and, and everyone's and, worth ten million. Right, everybody's worth ten million dollars, and there's a murder on the train. Just yeah, up one in, up in the. Well, there's actually been two. <laughs> they think they caught the first person, but they didn't. They caught the wrong okay. person. 
So there's a murder on the train. And one of the tailies happens to be one of the leaders of the rebellion, happens to be a former police murder homicide detective. Okay. And so they they spring him from the tail, bring him up to investigate the murder and promise him, you know, if you solve the murder, you'll get this, that, and the other. And he's like, no, if I solve the murder, I, we get this, 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 and this. And they're like, well, I don't know. But I don't know. I watched it. I watched the first episode three times because I wasn't, you know, sometimes I'm working on stuff and I don't really pay attention to it. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to come back and make sure I saw that right. And I don't know, man. I'm, I love science fiction. I just, I'm tired of dystopian science fiction, Rod. I'm tired of the, well, the whole. That's pretty much all they're why, writing right now. But that's why Star Trek worked. That's what Star Trek did that nobody else did. Star Trek was not dystopian. It was look at what we've accomplished. Look where we're going. Look how much better we're getting. And bloop, everything else is, I don't know, this dystopian frozen wasteland. Of course, it took a swing at, at, at global warming. and Oh, sure. It's all, it, of course, big businesses the, too. Yeah, yeah. All and all the people in the tales are are you know cultural minorities, of course, <laughs> of course. And all the people in the front of the train are white Anglo-Saxon, probably Protestant. It, it's I don't know. I don't know <laughs> why I'm watching Protestant. it. I really don't. I I, I still I, st- I should go back to watching more Kim convenience because I don't know. As I was telling Bill the other day, I love Korea. I, w- I watch Korean baseball all day long. I, it's great. Yeah. I'd love to go to Korea. Everybody knows I want to be the next Kim Jong, Kim Jong Dave. Yeah. Apparently, it's still a possibility now. Yeah, I guess so. Although, I did see our news report where supposedly they had footage of him, you know, that was recent. I don't know, because they didn't they didn't say it was, but yeah, he's they played al- it he's off. Alive. He's, he's alive. He's alive and well, kicking. Which is good, because that, that younger sister of his is kind of a... She's she's sneaky. <laughs> she gets in there. I have no chance of ever becoming Kim Jong Dave. Nope. But if I could, you know, buddy up with him before then, and you know, well, you need to buddy up to Dennis Rodman, who can then get you buddied up to him. I just can't do that though. It's Dennis Rodman. <laughs> let's face it, man. That guy is just creepy. I don't care how much he's worth, ten million dollars or whatever. That dude's just well, he's from another planet, as we already know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I watched Men in Black this week, too. Sorry. Uh-oh, did you? <laughs> That's sad. I just sit here and watch movies. The yeah. whole time this has been on, I've been watching Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Have you? Which I rate as the second best Indiana Jones movie. I love the interplay between uh, between uh, Sean Connery. And I Harrison like that. Ford. What I don't like about number three, number one is hands down the best. I, there's yes. no two ways about it. Number two is so bad, I think they should just pull that from from being able to they should just yeah. they should just erase that one and say, Well, we never we never did that. Yeah. We don't Oops, know what you're talking sorry. about. Sorry. They're, they're, Temple of Doom? What? That that doesn't happen. And the last one was great up until the freaking alien thing. Yep. I just I I just didn't I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm so anti space alien that yeah. I keep I keep saying if there really are space aliens, I'm the guy you should be down here talking to. Because I'm the guy yeah. you gotta convince. But anyway, up until that point it was I, I really enjoyed it. I mean it was it was fun. You know? It's like Indiana yeah. Jones was supposed to be. But number three, I like the interplay with Sean Connery. What I don't like is the way they made Marcus Brody yeah. just adult. I don't get that. Why why do you take this guy who in the first movie was really Smart, helpful, supportive, intelligent, enough so that he was obviously a president or something of the university. Yeah. And then turn him into a comic relief. I didn't get that. And I'm not yeah, really sure why Denholm Elliott did that. Let him do that to him. Other than I have no dying. clue. Yeah. Yeah. I figure, oh, it's a few more bucks. What do I care? I'm not going to be around to spend it. Yeah. I wonder if it was $10 million. I don't know. That's a good question. Because <laughs> everything else is worth $10 million, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the theory. Anyway, what do you think? DNR at thedavebowmanshow.com. Stands for Do Not Resuscitate at thedavebowmanshow.com. We gather weekly to kind of have a chit-chat 
Uh, we're trying a new system today. I don't know if you noticed. It. Rod obviously knows. You will. You yeah. will not know the difference. So this means we could actually have guests. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people want to hear guests or if they just love our banter so much that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I still have to work on my audio issues. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. With audio issues and from the land of confusion, I'm Dave. Yeah, I'm Rod. We'll see you next time for Do Not Resuscitate.